0: Teaching ELL students is a privilege and a joy. Is it easy? No way. But with the right support, you can feel empowered to tackle each day with ease and confidence. I'm your host, Beth Boucher, founder of Inspiring Young Learners. With over 10 years of teaching, both nationally and internationally, I know what it takes to ensure that your ELL students have what they need to thrive today, tomorrow, and for life. I'm on a mission to empower you to equip your English language learners. Welcome to Equipping ELLs. Let's get to today's episode. Hey there, and thanks for joining me for another episode of the Equipping ELLs podcast. Today, we are going to be diving into eight things you should stop doing when it comes to teaching vocabulary with your students. I don't know about you, but when I think back to my elementary school and even middle school and high school, when I think back to my experiences and I think of how I learned vocabulary, so much of me just cringes <laughs> because even though I was a good student, I loved school. Every time we had to sit down and and write out definitions or do just busy work and not things that were that beneficial to language acquisition and vocabulary development. So let's talk about things that you should stop doing because they're really wasting time and not helping your students develop the vocabulary that they need in order to succeed. All of these, there is a time and a place, I guess you could say, but There are just things that we really should move away from. So here are some outdated vocabulary teaching methods that I really think you should reconsider and really think about and be intentional. That really is what this comes down to. Intentionally planning, intentionally choosing the activities that you're going to do, intentionally choosing the words that you are explicitly teaching, When you are intentional with that, your students are going to expand the vocabulary quickly and effectively. But if you're just doing whatever the list is that the the basal reader gives you, or you're just doing activities that you think are purposeful, but really are not, then I really wanna challenge you. And hopefully after you hear this list of eight different things to stop doing, hopefully you come away with a good opportunity to reflect And, you know, I want to give the disclaimer that it's okay if you've been doing those things. This is never, ever, ever about you feeling bad, or I never want you to feel guilty or say, you know, like, oh man, I'm not doing great at this because I've been doing these things. Absolutely not. I don't want you to think that at all. I just want to challenge you and give you opportunity and space to think and reflect about the things you're choosing to do and the activities you're choosing to do. And if you're doing some of these things, then you can go back to last week's episode or next week's episode, which is gonna be about different games you can use and really just find and try out some new ways that you might have a better experience and your students might have higher engagement um, when it comes to vocabulary development. So, all right, the first outdated teaching method is rote memorization of word list. All right, I think all of us can go back to some point in our educational career where we had to just memorize some words. And I think we all know now that just memorizing lists of words and their definitions, it just really often leads us to superficial understanding. It really is not lends it, it doesn't lend itself to using naturally in conversation or, you know, just really gaining and grasping an understanding of the new vocabulary. This is really kind of how my learning went when I learned Spanish. And let me tell you, it did not help <laughs> having memorized list of words and vocabulary and their definition or even just memorizing vocabulary out of context, and we're going to get to that in a minute. But knowing all of these standalone vocabulary words in another language really did not do me much help when I was in conversation with Spanish-speaking people. Yes, I could recall some words here and there, but all of a sudden when i was placed in context in situations where i'm trying to pull these words out when i you know studied a flashcard out of context many years ago i couldn't recall many of those words so let's not focus on just rote memorization of word lists that is not going to be something that's helpful for your students number 2 let's not focus on writing out words and definitions Like I shared at the beginning, I can go back to a fifth grade activity and thinking, please do not make me do this again. And I remember it being like 10 or 15 words and we had to do it for homework. We had to write down our words at school and then take our notebook home. And for homework, had to write down all those definitions. And it took a lot of time. And the thing was, I know our students are just like I was. I would copy the definition without really thinking through, what is this word? What does this definition mean? Maybe I should write it in my own words so I can understand it better. That was not happening at all. It was strictly to get this assignment done and turn it in. And this is what we don't want for our students. We do not want something that's passive or that just really doesn't help our students internalize the meaning or the use of words. If they're just copying to get it done, and they're really having no application or having no opportunity to think about it and write it in their own words and use it in context, then it really is not a good use of their time. Number three, let's not focus and let's get rid of weekly spelling tests on random word list. Okay, and I'm not saying that spelling is not important. Spelling is really important. And it's a really important thing for our students, our ELL students to learn how to spell words correctly, we want to help release that cognitive load that we're putting on them. So the more that they can write some of their words faster, and they know how to spell them, the faster their writing is going to, it's going to happen. So we we do want spelling. And we want that to be something that's important. But we do not want it to be on just random word list. Okay, English has so many irregular rules and words that are really tricky to spell. If you are working with any student where you're like, they ask, how do I spell this word? And they start to sound it out and you're like, yeah, that doesn't make sense. That sounds like an O should be there, but really it's a U that's there, or this is a, a bossy R. So you can't really hear that A that's there. And it's, it's really complicated. There's a lot that goes into spelling and English. So we don't want to just give them random word lists. One that can make them feel unsuccessful if they're really struggling. Two, it's just really focused solely on spelling without context or understanding. It's really going to be less effective. So, you know, instead try to do maybe spelling lists by phonics patterns so that they're seeing that pattern. They can apply it. Keep the word list low. I remember doing 15 to 20 spelling words a week with my second graders and it either the students already knew them before they did that or they didn't and they really didn't. <laughs> over the week, um, do much better in their learning of the spelling words. So look at your spelling that you're doing. I'm not saying that we shouldn't emphasize spelling and give our students opportunities to spell words correctly and learn spelling, but just really reflect on how you're doing your spelling list and your spelling test. Maybe bring it down to, you know, four to five words, have them purposeful, have them words that they're seeing frequently, have them by phonics pattern. Those types of things are beneficial Random word list and vocabulary lists that they're spelling are not. All right, let's move on to number four. When it comes to vocabulary and teaching vocabulary, let's not focus on using words in isolation. Okay, we do not want to teach vocabulary by words in isolation. When we are teaching words without context or connection to students' lives and experiences, it can make it so much harder for them to understand and use the words effectively. So again, you know, this is this is how I taught. I feel like there's so much of me just reflecting of like, wow, why did I do this for so long? At the beginning of the unit or beginning, you know, we had our basal reader. Here's our six words for the week. And I would share those words. And that was it. There was no context around it. I didn't share them in the story right away. I didn't Give them opportunities to connect. We didn't really talk about them. I said, here's your six words for the week. Here they are up on the board. Write them down, look up the definition. I mean, talk about boring. So be specific, be purposeful in the words that you are choosing and connect them as often as you can to context, to reading, to their lives, to other words that they are working on. We want to make our students. Become excited about language, about language learning, about seeing these connections happen because they're learning the root words and the prefixes and suffixes, and they're applying their native language into these language learning. That is where they're going to see these connections form. So that leads us right into the next one, and that is do not ignore word roots and etymology. When you're not exploring the roots, the history of words, you're really going to miss out on opportunities to deepen understanding and build connections between words. And this again with purposeful planning. You will be able to find ways that you can deepen their understanding of words. You can be able to choose specific root words where then you can add prefixes, suffixes. You can play around with this word and see how they can make connections with antonyms, synonyms, all those things. You're now spreading your reach of that lesson, and it's going to go further than teaching one word in isolation that they have to remember and memorize. This is really where I want you to see your role is to not be the keeper of all the words that you, it's on your shoulders to teach them all the words. And sometimes we feel that when we're working with ELL students is that we need to build up the word bank as fast as possible. Okay, we do need to do that. We want to do that. But when you unlock that desire for them to see that there are a lot of connections between words that there's connections between maybe their native language and English that there's connections and there's there's power behind changing out a prefix or a suffix to a root word and you start to play with words and see what you come up with and you explore now you're not the one that's unlocking all the words for them now you're the one that is unlocking this excitement and desire in them to, for them to see how fun words can be how learning vocabulary can take them into whole new depths of understanding. So we want to always be thinking about not how can I teach this one word, but how can I use this word and really spread the reach into multiple different ways. You're going to find power in your planning and find power in your lessons and see your students expand into multiple different depths of vocabulary development when you start to approach it with exploration of language over just teaching one word at a time. All right, let's move into number six. Let's not overemphasize dictionary definitions. All right, I cannot tell you how many times I looked at the dictionary, I wrote the dictionary definition down, and still I had no idea really what that word meant. So we do not want to rely solely on dictionary definitions because it really can be limiting, or it's just something that they're going to copy, but they're not going to really take in and understand. So it doesn't teach students about the nuances of words or their usage in different contexts. So we really want to push our students to Think about the word. Write it in their own defini- definition. Come up with a kid-friendly wor- uh, way to define that word. Work in groups to have them define that word. Come up together with that and then see how you can work off of that definition. So if you're defining a word, have them work in small groups. Come out, come up with one definition together as a class. Post that somewhere in the room. Maybe with that one definition, you're going to just go deeper on and maybe change out some words, maybe add some synonyms, give them variety of that one definition. There's That's where the power is, okay? And now as you post that in your classroom and they have spent time coming up with this definition on their own, and maybe they've spent time creating a picture for it, writing that word in a sentence, that is where that vocabulary word is going to come to life. And that's going to stick with them. So take the time to do those types of activities and you're going to see that their output and how they recall that word and how they use it at, you know, correctly in context, both in your classroom and outside your classroom is going to happen much more naturally. Number seven, let's not focus on repetitive fill in the blank exercises. Okay, So this really applies to vocabulary and grammar. There is a time and a place for this. I'm not saying that they're all wrong or bad. I think it's a good opportunity after you've explicitly taught and spent multiple opportunities to explore the vocabulary and really have fun with it. There's an opportunity to see with application of how they do with a fill in the blank exercise. But A lot of times, this doesn't require deep thinking or understanding of the words meaning and usage. And so I want you to be really mindful of that and the type of vocabulary worksheets that you're giving them, because the more that you can give them opportunities to apply these words naturally in context, in conversation with peers, the faster that word is going to be moved to their long-term memory. Regurgitating information or guessing and filling in words on a worksheet is not going to get them there as fast. I'm not saying that there's not a time and a place for that. There is, but I really want to challenge you to be more mindful of how you're giving them plenty of opportunities to use these words in conversations with their peers. That's where you're going to have a lot of success with this. Okay and last but not least number 8 let's move away from using one size fits all vocabulary list and this i've hit on in the last couple episodes but i i really believe in the power of knowing what words your students already know and assessing them on the words that they don't know and then spending your time on those words so You know, as you approach a new unit, maybe pull out 15 words that are really specific to this unit that you want to cover. And then do things like a knowledge rating chart or, you know, a quick fill in the blank if you want to do that, or do some sort of quick assessment to see if your students know these words or not. This is then going to help you define and say, okay, for this group, they really need to focus on these six words. Or you know what? Most of my class knew these five words. I'm going to eliminate these. For, I'm not going to explicitly teach them because they already know them. So I'm going to spend my time on these words that really do matter and then go in depth on those words that you choose. So it might look like you either have a different word list for a few groups of students or Or it might look like, you know what, the majority of the students are really strong in these words. I'm going to, I'm not going to teach those, but these words, they really had no idea. So this is where I'm going to spend my time focusing. When you purposely plan and when you're intentional in your planning, that is where you can really show up and know that the words that you are teaching is what your students need. So don't, you know, just say, here's the list from our book that we have to do and teach them. You could be wasting a lot of precious time if your students already know some of those words. So be intentional in how you assess the vocabulary before you do a unit, how you choose the vocabulary, and then what words you are teaching to what students in your class. It sounds complicated, but once you get in this habit of planning your lessons in this way, you will see your students really respond when it's words that they need to know, that they want to learn and that you're really intentional about. To replace these outdated methods, educators really, you should be encouraged to adopt more interactive or context-based or student-centered approaches. We want them to be applying these words as much as possible. That might be through conversations, That might be through writing activities, but really be mindful of how much output are you expecting of your students when it comes to the new vocabulary that you're teaching. You might want to integrate vocabulary more into reading and writing activities, using technology and multimedia resources, encouraging creative new uses of the words, just exploring word origins, really making them become word detectives and tailoring vocabulary instruction to the interests and the levels of your students, okay? This will not only enhance vocabulary acquisition, but it's also going to make the learning process more engaging and meaningful for your students. At the end of the day, we do not want to be doing things that are going to just be time fillers, that really are not going to be moving that vocabulary deeper in them, moving it into long-term memory so that they are going to be able to use that, not just in your class, not just this year, but in future classes down the road, they are going to be able to easily recall these words because of the way you approached vocabulary when they were in your class. That's our goal. That's what we want them to do. Join me next week because we are going to be talking about different games that you can use for newcomers, intermediates, advanced games that take no prep work that you could do right on the spot. Just, I want to fill you and fill your toolbox of different vocabulary games that you can use because that is a really powerful way to use vocabulary in engaging and meaningful ways for your students where they have a ton of fun and it's really low prep work for you. So join me next week as we talk all about different games you can use to help vocabulary acquisition with your English language learners. Bye for now. Thank you for joining me in today's episode. All links and resources mentioned can be found in the show notes. If you're looking for even more support and done for you resources created specifically for the needs of ELLs, head to inspiringyounglearners.com. I'll catch you here next week. Until then, take that next step to keep equipping your ELLs.